Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We'll interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software projects inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast. Uh, today we have our amazing co-host, Jack Daniel. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Great. You've caught up in your sleep yet? I'm working on it. Conference, conference got us, even though uh, we all got to stay at home and attend from home. Sleep was was about as much as I get at a conference. So, how about yourself? Yeah, it was easier this time. It was totally easy. Yeah, the guys slept in once. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sleep when you die. Um, today we have a special guest, Alan Siu. Is that how you pronounce your name? Uh, Siu. Yeah, it's like kind of one and a half syllables. Sort of it's like when you read a book and you're not used to saying those words out loud, whether it's in your language or some other oh, language. Yeah. And then you're just like, I've been following your blog forever, but how do I say your name? <laughs> I mean, that's I actually take that as a sign of a well-read person. Like people who have a really good vocabulary and can't pronounce anything. I'm like, you read a lot. <laughs> I bet you read a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, my kids usually read in French, but they speak really uh, good English. But occasionally, like a word will come out that they they know in French and they know it's an English word, but they have no idea how to pronounce it. And it comes out completely funny. <laughs> <laughs> Life is an opportunity to make fun of ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So, Alan, uh, we invited you because you are a first time guest. You were hoping to join us in Vancouver, and uh, we're hoping you can join us next year in Vancouver, but uh, yeah. you got to at attend Mac DevOps Online. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, um, I feel like it's um, there are trade-offs, right? Like, there's things you gain, and there are things you lose, right? So, um, you know, obviously, like, the accessibility piece is huge in terms of, you know, people getting to tune in from all over. You know, um, like they're not limited by time zone or travel restrictions or whatever it is. Um, I thought that uh, a lot of the discussions that we had in, in Discord were pretty cool. People are just kind of popping in there and, and typing whatever. Um, it, it makes for really fast discussions. I think it's pretty cool. Like when you're at an in-person conference, and I haven't been to Mac DevOps YBR in person, but, um, you know, just in general, I feel like in-person conferences, you kind of have to like wait for one person at a time to talk um, and someone's like raising a hand or stepping up to a line up at a, at a mic or something. And um, that um, that's not necessarily bad, but um, it doesn't move as fast. Um, uh, on the other hand, I feel like um, it, like I, it was cool. We had little like hallways where we could chat, but I don't know if, if that's quite the same thing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're just kind of running into people and chatting. I mean, I don't know if you can replicate that necessarily. Yeah, you know, straight offs. Not quite the same, yeah. but one neat thing with Discord, with the hallway tracks and other channels, is that you can actually see who's in them. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I was going to go to Monkey and post a sure. question, I have no idea until I get a grumpy response that somebody is actually there. That's true. Yeah, and but, you don't run into the name tag problem either, right? Like, you, you yeah. actually even know specifically who's speaking. Like, oh yeah, that's that's who's talking right now. So. It's less awkward that way. Yeah, one thing we ran into with Discord is that some people had used it for gaming, so they had different handles and nicknames, and so we tried to clear that up. 
but also I saw another conference, they had a Slack and they had an introductions channel. So I just copied that idea for Discord so people could introduce themselves and badges can sometimes help, but you do have to physically approach a person yeah. to read their badge. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and, and actually a- the introductions in person take a lot longer as well, right? So if you if let's say you had a room full of 20, 30, you know, 50 people, whatever, if you go around and be like, you know, hi, I'm Ellen. <laughs> All the stuff that yeah. we put in the intros, that would take, I don't know, at least an hour, hour and a half, mm. something like that. And if people are talking to you, say, Alan, and then I say, oh, someone else should meet you. And then you go, oh, hi, Malin. I'm, you know, yep. there's more introductions get repeated. And yep. I, I felt like we could do a little bit more lurking in a, in a respectful way, but yeah. in a larger scale. <laughs> yeah. People could listen to conversations. and Yeah, the introduction piece went pretty smoothly, I think. Yeah, and the social hour was nice because people could use video and the, the audio channels are a nice touch. Um, you don't always get the tone or intention of speech when you're in a text-only channel. Yeah, yeah that's true. Some of us that have, may have done a communications degree in school, which is not worth much, but we did study a lot of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and our experience with email might prove that we don't always get the context or the intention sure. of what people are, are trying to say. Sure. I thought it was pretty cool that sometimes we had, I mean, well, I thought it was cool. Maybe some people thought it was confusing, but I thought it was cool that sometimes there were um, Q and A's that were happening like in the audio while there was also, there were also people typing stuff and asking questions. I thought that was cool that there was sort of that simultaneous Q and A, like sort of, I don't know if it counts as asynchronous or whatever, but it's, that was pretty cool. (laughs) Like that. And we didn't really have enough warm bodies or well-oiled bots, but if we could have been monitoring the text channels and collecting the questions or use something like it was uh, recommended by some other people, like some other apps or services to queue and organize all the questions, maybe we could have done them more deliberately and and go, okay, question number two, question number five. But I thought we handled it pretty well. Like yeah, uh, Joel was reading his own questions out live on air because he's a, a rock star. <laughs> Other people were, 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 we'd go through the chat and find a question and then feed it to them. And and I think my role all the time in person and in the, the Discord was to be able to call people out. You know, if, if I know people or recognize people, I go, hey, Alan, you haven't said anything. What do you think about this topic? And it's effective in person, I think, to try to draw people out. I mean, we're not always wanting to be on the spot, but I, I try to bring people into the conversation. I don't want people to be excluded by yeah. one person who always asks questions. What were your expectations of Mac DevOps? I guess you've been thinking about coming for a little while. Um, I don't know. It, se- I, I, it seemed a little less intimidating than like um, the Penn State Mac and Men's, um, or even like JNUC or whatever. Like it felt there's something about it just felt cozier and I like the vibe that you give off. Like, I think that you're, <laughs> you're very um, approachable um, and humble and kind of like really concerned about inclusion. And, and um, it just felt like, well, okay, if, if Matt's involved in this, I feel like it's gotta be a cool conference to go to. Um, the other thing too, is that I, you know, I'd seen some of the videos of um, previous year's workshops and stuff. And it just seemed like, there's cool stuff going on. Um, I don't really think of myself as a DevOps person necessarily, <laughs> um, but it's, I don't know. I think it's kind of good to get a little bit outside your box. And Yeah, I think the learn. name, yeah. it does throw people off. 
Yeah, but that's good. I think I think it's good yeah. to to push things a little bit. I mean, I was inspired by the DevOps days conferences that were happening everywhere, and I would attend them, and they were always of high quality. But it it did feel like a bit of a spirit of we're just we're just going to do it, and we just did it, and we made a conference, and you know, it wasn't super polished. But I mean, it was they were definitely well organized. But you know, you have to get speakers and do all this stuff. And once I decided to make one, I realized how much of work it was. But it did seem like oh, this is easy. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> it's bliss. Yeah. It's bliss, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the name sort of throws people off because they're not really sure what to to expect. But I mean, I was inspired by meeting people at Mac IT and Mac Tech and all these other conferences. And sure, I build storage. I do lots of networking things. I do lots of IT things. But what I really was inspired by and just awed by was people working on software together, whether it was Monkey, then Monkey Report, Auto Package. And I mean, sharing scripts has always been a thing, but this was bigger. And I was like, wow, I need to learn these things. I need to learn how to use Git, GitHub, GitLab, and I need to participate. And I need people, people need to learn about these projects that they may not have heard about. And not that, you know, monkey is better than Jamf. That's another discussion. You know, it's not about that. It's about just getting people into the new methods, new techniques and getting people involved. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping that people have been encouraged and inspired by that, or at least try to, to learn new things. Definitely. I think that um, one of the things that's always a little interesting about doing NAC uh, automation type work is you're kept on your toes, right? Like I, I haven't been doing this very long and already I've had to shift gears multiple times. And, you know, Monkey just changed up from installing Apple software updates to basically having to turn into a version of Nudge and just nudging people to do it. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of speculation about what's coming in the pipeline for 10.16 and 10.17. And yeah, you, you're, you always have to be open to stuff. And that's where I think the community comes in handy a lot. Like I think trying to do this all on your own uh, without support from, you know, people in, at MacDevOps YBR or in the Macamin Slack or um, at Jamf Nation or wherever, wherever you're finding your community, um, it, it'd be really tough. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been sharing your knowledge as well. And I mean, you've been running a blog for a while, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, you were working for a school district or a school and had a yeah, blog I was there. Yeah, I was working for a school um, up in San Francisco, um, San Ignatius College Prep. And uh, that's kind of where I started my Mac uh, admitting at all. Um, so I, I have kind of like a strange journey to get here. And it's one of those things where, like, whenever I'm in a job interview and they're like, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, I don't have an answer because, <laughs> like, five years ago, I didn't see myself here. And five years before that, I didn't see myself, you know, wherever I was. Um, so I actually started out, like, as a classroom teacher. I taught high school English. And um, when I quit that, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do because I was just like, this is everything I thought I wanted to do in my life. And I ended up um, somehow becoming like a, a database manager for a mission office. Then I uh, and I didn't know anything about databases. And then I worked uh, as a receptionist for an admission office. And then the tech director at that school um, is a different school up in San Francisco. Um, the Bay School uh, was like, "Hey, come and work with me in the tech office." And I was like, "Okay." And I was I was imaging Windows machines uh, with Clonezilla. I was doing all sorts of you know non Mac stuff. And I was using Mac at home, but I didn't really know how to manage Macs at all. And um, same deal for the next job I had, which was 
um, working for a small recruiting firm in Boston and was mainly Windows, um, doing a lot of AD, uh, Hyper-V type stuff. And uh, when I got back to San Francisco, I worked briefly at another school uh, that was not a good fit. And I left in just a few months, but then I stayed at San Ignatius for a good four years. And uh, when I first got there, my, my, my boss was basically like, so we've been manually updating these Macs every summer for like just going around to each Mac and like saying, here's a new version of Adobe Flash. Here's a new version of Java. And there's this thing called Monkey. And I'd like you to set that up for us. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> I was like sitting there trying to Google. I'm like, M-O-N-K-E-Y. Like, Nothing's coming up for this. And so I basically had to just trial by fire uh, monkey. And um, my, I wasn't, I wasn't able to do it all on my own. Um, he, my boss got me in touch with Nick McSpadden, uh, who was working at another Catholic school in San Francisco and had just left to work at Facebook. And uh, I just kind of asked, I was like, where do I get started with monkey? What's the deal? And he's like, try this demonstration setup, try this, whatever. And he pointed me in the right direction. And I just did a lot of, uh, trial and error and asking for help. And um, I was on the monkey discuss mailing list um, and eventually, you know, ended up working or not working, but asking a lot of questions on the Macamin Slack. So yeah, I've just been learning uh, for the last five years as I go. And, uh, and when did you start sharing? When did you start the technology blog? Uh, it actually was very shortly after I started at, um, at uh, St. Ignatius. I, I, I like writing stuff down. I like documenting things. Um, and we didn't have like a help desk. Um, so I was just like, you know, I got to write stuff down. Like, even if it's just for me, even if it's just for my own reference, like we ran into this problem, this was the solution. I need to write that down somewhere. And I figured, you know, people are helping me out all the time. If I have a blog that's public, I can help out other people too, right? So it'll be helpful for me, but then if it helps anyone else, that's great. And I ran it by my boss. He seemed cool with it. Um, we actually hosted it on uh, the school's website uh, using WordPress. And so I've got a good, I want to say like 300 or 400 some posts up there. And uh, yeah, it could be anything from like we ran into this random little problem to this is how we set up this thing in Monkey. And uh, since I left, um, I'm now working at Snapchat. Um, I also ran it by my new boss <laughs> and I have, I have, a uh, my own blog, uh, on my website that, um, my personal website where I'm trying to continue the tradition documents. Yeah. I just ran into that. Uh, I was looking for your, your school blog and then I ran into your Alan Sioux, uh, net Yep. That's awesome. So school blog's still there. My boss has, my old boss has, hasn't taken it down. Um, I made a backup of it just in case it ever goes down. <laughs> like, there's a lot of stuff in there and it's, you know, right now it's, I don't know, maybe it's in archive.org or whatever, but I like, I got to have my own archive just in case. Yeah. I've referred to it many times when I was yeah. trying to get SSL and certs and a bunch of things working. I was like, well, Alan wrote something down. I know I, I need to refer to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've helped yeah. me out a lot. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's helpful to somebody. So. Definitely. Not everybody will call you up and thank you, but uh, this is a thank you from everyone in the community, Alan. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad, that, I'm glad it's working. And uh, I mean, you know, at the very least, it helps me. Like I, even now, like I'm still referring back to my old blog post from like three or four years ago sometimes. 
Um, I'm always quoting the patron Satan of documentation, you know, Rich Trout and document today for oh, the yeah. U of tomorrow, wanting to know what the U of yesterday was doing. <laughs> yeah, I love how Rich, uh, Rich Trout's blog, it, the, the tagline it is sort of like something like seldom updated. I'm like, I think you update more often than I do. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, maybe in the in the beginning it was uh <laughs> pretty uh pretty random was it uh yeah what, what is his tag like uh, seldom updated so. occasionally insightful yeah i'm like <laughs> seldom compared to <laughs> well i mean he was when he before he was in his current position with uh sap he was i mean he's probably doing the same procedure where he would document internally and then replicate everything in a separate sort of like clean room almost you know like a vm with no nothing from work and then document that as well it's like the man is a a monster of documentation yeah i i try to i try to live up to that a little bit if i can but um i i think i think he has me beat by a little bit but i do i do kind of do something similar in the sense that you know um uh you know, whether when I was at uh, St. Ignatius or when I'm at Snap now, like I, I don't try to put proprietary stuff into my documentation. Like I really try to make it as general as possible. And often I do end up sort of replicating stuff on my personal computers to, um, you know, keep it generic. And, uh, you know, I mean, part of it, part of it's just a confidentiality thing, but part of it is also just, you know, the more generic you make it, the easier it is for other yeah. people to follow, right? Well, even with my blog, when I was just writing down simple things, people would occasionally reach out and go, we want to hire you to do X, Y, and Z. And most of the time I was like, nah, I documented it. You can do it. <laughs> even though it's kind of my job is, as an independent consultant, but I'm pretty lazy. So I was like, I already wrote it down. You go ahead. Yeah. No, it's, it's good to be able to refer to documentation. I mean, I think that part of it is, you know, obviously you forget stuff. But then part of it is the more detailed the documentation you have, uh, the more consistent you are about executing stuff, right? Like if there are actual steps and you're not just going based on vague memory, you know, you're going to be doing it right and not like, Oh shoot, I forgot there was that other thing. So, yeah. I mean, for years on my invoices to my clients, I would just write a huge detailed list, like a change list, everything I did, everything. And it was not just to overwhelm the client. I mean, to, to appear to be helpful. It was just so I could remember exactly if I went yeah. back to that client site who was so different from like every other client site, what exactly I did. Cause I mean, not to, you know, to put it too finely, but if something went wrong, it's usually something I did. So I have to know exactly what I did to undo it. <laughs> it's true. It's good to track that stuff. I'm actually, I'm really happy. I've, I've been kind of, I think you had mentioned before about learning Git. Like I didn't really know uh, GitHub very well. Um, before I started my current job, um, like, you know, you know, like the whole thing about YOLO ops, like when I was at St. Ignatius, like my monkey repo was hundred percent YOLO ops. Like it was like, I mean, granted it was a smaller fleet, right? So the damage, if it damaged the whole fleet, it wasn't that big a fleet, but I mean, still, these are computers that people are using, right? Like this is, <laughs> these are production yeah. machines that teachers are using, that staff are using, um, sometimes that students are using. And so you know, I was, I didn't have any uh, version control. I didn't have anything to track, like, what were the changes that I was making. And so, yeah, it was 100% like, I had um, basically two catalogs in my monkey repo. I had like, testing and production. <laughs> and like, testing was basically like three, three or four machines. And I just tested them and be like, okay, does it seem like it's good? All right, let's go. 
let's YOLO it and <laughs> just put it into production. <laughs> and um, fortunately, you know, I, I didn't have anything too catastrophic happen, but um, there were definitely a couple of times where, you know, I had to roll back some changes or send out some communications to people that were like, oops, uh, didn't do that right. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to upgrade my monkey report to, to version 5.6.2 because monkey reports uh, oh, yeah. motto is uh, update early, update often, update all the time. Bug fixes, you know, they don't have any beta testing tracks. They just, I mean, they do have a work in progress, but usually it's just release. If any, yeah. any problem, there's a fix. And I mean, uh, there are like, advantages to that. Yeah. Yeah. Test and production. Test and well, production. Well, the yeah. advantage is that every... <laughs> You know, even when things go wrong, like they're only little things, right? It's like you just introduce that one small change. So. Yeah, it's not like a huge commit with, you know, yeah. hundreds or dozens of changes. It's like, okay, we fixed this one thing. We did one thing and that's easy to roll back. Definitely. I mean, if you ever do a git commit with tons of different changes and want to just take part of that back, then, then you learn your lesson, I guess. But yeah. I was trying to update the latest monkey report because they made some huge changes and then I had to update my PHP and suddenly I had a total... Trou de mémoire. I had a hole in my memory, and I was like, "How do I update PHP? How do I'm like I used to be a webmaster, quote unquote, back when that was a thing." I was like, "HTTPD." Ah, my brain was like, and I'm like, "I got to record this podcast, but I'm updating this monkey report." And I like texting like Arian in Slack, and I'm like, "What do I do? What am I doing?" And then I'm like, "Oh, I need to edit this." And he's like, "Matt, are you editing in production?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> I'm just like. Just like an animal, I was like, I fixed it, <laughs> but yeah, I managed to install the right PHP, but was not even linking to it in my HTTPD. I mean, there's there's a way to figure out what you're doing, but when you're in the middle of it, sometimes you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, where I'm going, and that's why yeah. sometimes it's nice to reach out to Slack. And sometimes you oh, feel definitely. lazy, but sometimes you lean on your friends. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, I actually I had a very fortunate um, uh, Slack experience just recently where I was like. Um, looking for like what could i replace some champ policies with um where like you know there there are certain champ policies that just kind of run um i don't know i guess they have the, these different frequencies that you can run them at and one of them is like uh daily you know or one is like weekly and one is monthly and i was asking on the mac admin slack and i was like uh is there anything like outset where you know you, you can just have like dump a whole bunch of scripts in a folder and then have like a launch daemon that that just runs these things, you know, at this frequency and that frequency and that frequency. And I'm glad I asked because I was good. I was just about to write that myself. I was like, okay, I could fork out set. I could make my own launch <laughs> demons, da, da, da. And then uh, somebody on there was like, uh, you can just use this thing that's already built into Mac OS. And I was like, <laughs> oh, really? I started poking yeah, out. I was like, oh my gosh, there's. I think I remember that conversation because yeah. I was like, what do you want to do? What are you trying yeah, to do? But it, like, it, yeah, but it, it's great because, <laughs> you know, the community really helps out, you know, and, and it it's a huge time saver. Like, I think, um, you know, if you're, it, it's actually kind of, it's a shame, I feel like, um, for people who, you know, and I come from a school background, right? So, you know, I think a lot of tech people who work at schools, um, particularly small um, independent schools, as opposed to like a large public school district, um, you know, kind of feel like alone and they don't necessarily have like a community that they can lean on to say like, to ask things like that. Um, and, you know, I was kind of at my last job, just sort of one of the very few people who was actually involved in the Mac and Min Slack community. And uh, it's great. It's great to be able to just say, Hey, let me ask some people. Right. It's, like, 
Yeah. It's insane that I get some of my friends that will call me directly or text me or when I, in, in passing conversation, they ask me a question and I'm like, why are you not in the Mac admin Slack? Why, why are you not part of a community? You know, yeah. there's a lot of resources and there's an occasional grumbly comment, but there's a lot of good people and resources and, and they're there to help. I mean, my wife did went uh, did two, got two degrees in biology and physio. She studied so much, memorized so much. And me, I just I would like email a mail list, you know, like XN list or the OS 10 server list. And then you jump into Slack and you just like find your answers to questions or ask people, anyone ever seen this before? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that. Um... There, there's a reputation that tech communities have that I think can be a little intimidating. And I don't know if if there are some tech communities that are still like this. I hope not. But like I, I remember, um, like when I first started getting the Linux stuff, like um, years and years ago, um, there was this reputation that Linux people were these sort of like super snobs, right? And that if you ask any question, they'd just be like, read the manual. You know, and just like, what are you doing here? Like, you terrible <laughs> new person, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I feel like with the Mac and Min uh, Slack community, like, people are very friendly. People are try to be super duper helpful, um, you know, and uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I can understand why people might be intimidated. You walk in and maybe there are all these people that you think know so much more than you do and you're like am i going to ask a silly question and people are going to make fun of me for it but i don't know i feel like people try to be helpful yeah i think that the value of going to conferences was not just to hear talks as someone who does a conference and has people speaking and doing talks the reason to go to conferences to meet people and then so you're less intimidated about asking them questions certainly that helped me if i met people then i could message them later going hey we met maybe we had a beer maybe we just hung out for a second uh, how do you do this? Or do you know anybody that knows that? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that helps break the ice. Yeah. It, it makes everybody feel more accessible, right? Like they're real people. <laughs> Definitely a pretty welcoming community with the, uh, the different channels. I think, uh, with the mail lists in the past, there was some definitely grumpy, smart people, very, very grumpy. And there's always sometimes someone who answers people and says, no, this is the correct answer. No, this is more correct. And and mail list, even with threaded mail, you know, it's 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 it kind of messy. like the brunt force of everything. It gets messy. I actually realized um, recently somebody had asked a question. I think last week, or maybe it's just a few days ago. I'm, I'm losing track of time here. <laughs> we we all have. Yeah. But recently, someone had asked a question about on the monkey discuss mailing list, and then I realized that the same person had asked the same question uh, on the Mac and Min Slack, and and I realized. At that point, when I saw the same question asked, I was like, it's going to be so much easier to solve this on Slack than to do this over email. Like, there's yeah. so many times where someone posts on Monkey Discuss, has a problem, people email back, can you post back this log? They email back, what log? Like, there's like 20 different emails going back and forth, and you're just like, this is so painful. Like, <laughs> Monkey Discuss, I think, is a great place to discuss things. Monkey Dev, I think, is a great place to discuss like potential changes in Monkey. But for support, I just don't think uh, back and forth emails that everybody gets is is really the best way. <laughs> to yeah, do I mean, that's an advantage. I can interrupt yeah. everybody in Monkey Report going, I'm upgrading PHP, help me right now. I mean, it's yeah. not an emergency, but help me now. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So and if you don't want, yeah. <laughs> and you if, can and impose if you want, on people. 
Yeah, you can definitely impose, and if you don't want to clutter up things too much, like you can thread things, right? You can thread things in Slack. Yeah. So I think it's that great. Brings brings back more of the IRC Mac admins, you know, that those channels. So I don't know if you were even around in the IRC channels. I was I, I I was alive, but I wasn't super into tech uh during the IRC days. So I've I've heard about it. But Slack definitely replicates that for us. Like I mean, the real IRC was something that was on Unix terminals in the nineties and when uh, the Mac admins were doing their IRC, I was just like, oh, man, I left that silliness a long time ago. But then <laughs> I was just like, uh, there was no really good IRC clients that I could see. And I was like, oh, I'll stick to the mail list, you young kids. Whippersnappers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the mail lists are pretty dead. Um, but I think we maybe as a communications uh, you know, grad here, I think we have to consider the implications of what kind of knowledge and knowledge archive are we creating with Slack or not creating? I mean, you can search through it. Is it easy to search? I, I, I would tell people to keep making those blogs and blog posts and, and keep creating knowledge somewhere. I mean, the, the reason with the videos in Mac DevOps is just to share and have a repository of knowledge. But I mean, the humans are the, the real repository of knowledge. So you got to keep the humans around and keep encouraging humans. But Sometimes Slack isn't the easiest unless you're looking for every instance of it's just a web server in response to Monkey, and then you can find that really easily. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like it's um yeah it's a great communication tool, but it's a terrible archive tool. Yeah, it, it trying to find stuff in there. Um, and that and you're absolutely right. Like that's a great reason to blog, right? To have something where it's um or to or to give video talks. Uh, to have something where there's an easy reference if you want to get the the I don't want to say definitive source, but if you want to get something that is coherent and complete regarding to a subject, you know, searching through a whole bunch of threads on Slack, that's probably not the way to go. Yeah, or somebody will ask the question five seconds after someone else did, and you can say scroll up because they just asked that, but it's still, you know. Yeah. There needs to be a way to park certain, you know, and basically building the wiki, like John Crane from Monkey Report is as quickly as he can updates the wiki and now it's completely out of date because you know arian is steamrolling ahead and making all these <laughs> huge changes it's not php migrate database anymore we've renamed it to please so we have to go please yeah. up. it's like i just did it like a couple seconds ago i'm like okay it's please now okay please migrate. You know, it's like yeah i i don't know i have mixed feelings about wikis because you know i feel like they're you know on the one hand it's it's sort of like the pinnacle of open source and co cooperation and and having a community documentation right like to say let's all contribute to this let's all have this one source that we're we're piecing together together but on the other hand it's like because of that cooperation it's harder to make it coherent right like there's all these different pieces and you know trying to find something like i think even on the monkey report wiki like i i was trying to update the please thing <laughs> it's like that migration thing, that's that's like on so many different pages. I'm like, should we consolidate these pages? But then you can't just go ahead and consolidate them. If you're going to do that, you you got to ask, right? Like, you can't just make a mess of the wiki. There might be good reasons for that. Um, so I, I kind of love and hate wikis. Like, on the one hand, I love them because, you know, probably I would say nine times out of ten, if somebody has a monkey question, I'm probably going to refer to the monkey wiki. I'm not going to be like, here's my blog, you know. Um, but on the other hand, I love writing a blog because I don't have to ask anybody for permission or to, you know, 
worry that I'm messing up somebody else's documentation. I'm I'm just in control of the whole thing and just you know writing what I know. So I found wikis helpful internally because I could have multiple people update them internally. So I mean I'm coming from the consultant side of things. So where Matt kept detailed notes um, on the invoice, we actually kept wiki pages for every single customer and handled it that way. So using that for a blogging type thing, I can I can see your pain. Yeah, I I, I think I, I think they're just different. Uh, they're different media, right? Like right. that serve different purposes. So um, I don't know. I might have just been framing them as like one versus the other, but they it's not really necessarily that way. I think. Um, well, I know with Monkey Report, you know, I, I kept wanting to to update the backup, how to bucket backup in uh, your Monkey Report because I was doing it in a certain way and it wasn't talking about the steps that I needed and that they were <laughs> only backing up their steps. And I was like, no, no, you got to back up. Because one time I followed all the instructions and then I was like, I couldn't log in. I didn't have my local user and it wasn't mentioned like back up your local user. So I'm like, I'm going to edit the wiki. Make sure if you have a local user to back it up. And then it got taken out and then finally put back in. <laughs> I tried a stern talking to these open source uh, community members. Yeah. yeah. It's a journey. <laughs> it is. When I uh, was playing with uh, Tim Perfett's MDS, I really liked the 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 wrapping around with a nice GUI of monkey and monkey report and if we'd had the software a couple of years ago we'd all all be using it yeah it's pretty cool yeah that that was amazing that was amazing the that uh, presentation like I I love GUIified stuff I'm I'm a uh, I'm a big fan of the command line but I am also a big fan of the GUI <laughs> yeah I mean the command line is great when you know exactly what to say what to type <laughs> If you don't, then I mean a GUI, you have to understand the 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 UI, and if the yeah. buttons are in the wrong place or the wrong shape. I mean, we found when we were testing uh, for the conference and doing our live testing with speakers, we found that in the interface for the live software, this one button that was like turn off your camera was also critical to sharing your screen. So all the speakers were turning off the button in our testing. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we actually can't see your slides. So yeah, yeah. it's 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 interesting because you know with Monkey, like, and I'm I'm a huge Monkey fan. I'm always talking about Monkey, but um, it, it like there were things that I like to do in the GUI, like with I use Monkey Admin for GUI stuff, and there are things that I like to do, you know, just like raw editing plist files or um, you know, or or just using like Monkey Import or whatever. And it really kind of depends. And I think as long as you're well-versed in both, um, it's great. But yeah, of course, if there are cases where there's only a GUI and, and there's a button and you're, you think it's going to do something and it does something else, there's not much you can do yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, Monkey Admin has is, 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 is a few ways to, uh, to I don't know, stop on certain errors or it can sort of screw up sometimes too. But I'm definitely a huge user of, of Monkey Admin. And for a while, I was using Monkey Web Admin, which is really nice. But uh pretty much stuck with monkey admin and i mean i still use monkey import from the command oh, yeah. line just so so easy and i think monkey admin would, would choke on certain apps and packages or things so just monkey import seemed to work perfectly fine yeah i think i i think i stopped using i tried to use monkey or tried to import using monkey admin and i ended up going to monkey import for two reasons one is uh, monkey import asks a lot more questions and i like that i like being prompted for each of those little things instead of trying to fill in all the blanks later. And then the other thing too, and oh, this might be outdated, so I'm not sure because I haven't tried it on Monkey Admin lately, but at least initially when I tried it, uh, I don't know that Monkey Admin would actually create a DMG around an app. 
I know. I'm not sure. Um, I could be wrong. <laughs> but at least a few years ago when I was trying to use it, I would try to import something like, you know, a, a little app bundle and it'd be like, can't do this. But if you do it with monkey import, it'll create it'll create the disk image for the app. Monkey admin also makes it pretty easy for doing uh, like post install scripts where it's oh, yeah. a payload free package and things like that. Yeah. And, and putting in the little like uh, ampersand conversions. Right. Because um, if you're editing it raw and you just put a little and and there then it's going to choke. Yeah, I mean, what I like with monkey import is that if you've imported this thing before, but it's a new version, it just goes, oh, here's your template of that's everything. Right. And so yep. that's very powerful. Usually I, I make a package for monkey report and then import that into monkey. And so it goes, oh, yeah, you've done this before. Or, yeah. This is just a new version or whatever app, you know, if you're five, importing six, one or five, six, two or five, six. Three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, monkey is yeah. amazing. I mean, when I first started using it in command line, it, it I was I was a little bit of trouble to understand just the relationship between the catalogs and the manifests and but it's just a web server, man. It's just a web <laughs> server, yeah, exactly. I know it's like it's the only message. It's my greatest message I can deliver to the people. Is, it's just, like, a, web just a web server. But yeah, I mean, sometimes graphically is 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 another way to understand things. And so seeing Monkey admin, like, oh, okay, I think I understand the relationship between these items. And that's why it was nice to have Ashton at the conference too, because she can graphically oh my record stuff while people are speaking, and that was a different amazing. way of understanding. Yeah, Ashton's like, uh, that's like that's a talent right there. <laughs> to to I mean, not just to create it, but to like create it live, basically, right? Like, it's not like this is something. I carefully crafted later based on my notes. It's like these are my notes. Yeah, and we didn't like, feed her pre-recorded talks. She was yeah, doing live. That was she's not amazing. a DevOps Mac tech or anything. <laughs> yeah, that that's amazing. The I I, I caught only the the second part of the um, telling your story workshop she did, and and it was pretty cool. Um, it made me feel a little inadequate because I was trying like she gave us little assignments like try to visually represent this thing. I'm like, ah, but somehow she managed to come up with stuff and she's like, this thing. Yeah, I think she said day two was a bit more challenging. The talks were a bit more abstract. There were yeah. maybe fewer stories. You know, I'm Alan. I was in a school. Then I went to this big corporation. Now I'm leaving the clouds. You know, draw a cloud and draw. But uh, sometimes when I'm stressed out, I'm thinking, oh, she's never going to draw that. Oh, yep. Wow. It's yeah. Like... Yeah. She, she does it. It, it. That's that. I think that that's a, re a really amazing piece to the, um, to the virtual conferences to just kind of see that happen in real time, like, you know, side by side with the talk. And then the total posted up later. Yeah. Sort of like guess, I don't know how that was going to work last year. And then she hung them in the social room, which was amazing, which was, so we were all having lunch and coffee and then even the next day and you're like, you could see like an artifact. It was literally like yeah. Picasso had painted this, this amazing artwork or you're, you're in the Sistine Chapel and you got these frescoes of this amazing yeah. talk and it's basically telling you a story. It was, I was like, wow, that was, yeah. those, those are the talks that, that was, that was Aryan speaking about open source. And that was, well, that inspired our magnet and sticker this year. Yes. <laughs> I've got the magnet yeah. up in the fridge. <laughs> Aryan's talk last year about open source suffering was amazing. And I was looking at uh, uh, Ashton's graphic recording of it. And I just saw these cute little images. And I was like, this is better than just another sticker with the logo. So, you know, so, so I think she has some amazing artwork. So she was definitely a great addition to the conference, the, the virtual piece. And uh, I mean, it sounds like in person, great too. Oh, I, she's I, such I, a sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I don't know. I think I think uh, toward the tail end of the conference, you were you were like 
trying to crowdsource, like, should this be virtual next year in person, like a hybrid? And there was some discussion about like, what would a hybrid look like? How would you do that? Is that sort of what you're still brainstorming or? hundred <laughs> <Yeah>. percent. <laughs> I mean, I'm crazy enough that I just want to keep doing this. Um, yes. And I, there was no question of not doing it. I had no idea how we were going to do it, <laughs> but I knew that it with Zooms and uh, even anything, people still need to connect. So it's almost going to be double the work if we do it hybrid, but yeah. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I don't know. I mean, like you got to have, I don't know. I think somebody had mentioned like possibly having little stations or something. I, I feel like it would, it would make, it would still put those hybrid, uh, the uh, virtual folks at a disadvantage. I mean, I guess you're always going to be at somewhat of a disadvantage if you're virtual. You know, if you're, if you're tied to a station, you can't move. I mean, you, I guess in theory, you could have like little walking robots that represent the people, but that's, that seems like a really Just have big a bot budget army. item. Yeah. <laughs> seems like a big budget item. <laughs> I had a couple like, Thoughts like right off the top of my head was like, we could do half day virtual. So it's all virtual for everybody. And then the oh, afternoon yeah. is just in person. So yeah, if people yeah. are drinking, those who drink can yeah. sleep in if they want yeah, uh, actually, and then have afternoon in person. Or we could just continue with the Q&As being virtual only. So people are, I mean, not to, to, to rag on them, but people are on their devices working, mm -hmm. watching anime during the conference or whatever <laughs> they're doing. And so they're on Slack. And they can be in Discord, so we can have the whole Q&A. I think to criticize the conference in the past, I've always wanted to have so many speakers, so we have too many speakers sometimes. And so we haven't had a, enough time for discussion. And it's it's even if I know that having too many speakers is bad, I always want to invite more people. And even though I know people want to just hang out and talk in the hallway track, I just go, I can't help myself. I'm going to have more <laughs> presentations. And, you know, so I think maybe forcing a virtual Q&A only, no you know, no mic, just all Discord. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's we're trying to play out the scenarios. It's after we've figured out this online thing, now we have to figure out a hybrid thing. Yeah. <laughs> Should be very interesting. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's it's a problem that you're tackling, but I also think it's a problem that we're all kind of tackling. Like, um, you know, just trying to think about like um, in the midst of a pandemic, you know, there's all these weird phase reopenings. And I don't know, like, I feel like in America, we don't necessarily even have a right to be reopening at this point, <laughs> but it's still happening. Like there's still things happening where it's like, okay, this thing, now all of a sudden you can go to a restaurant. Now all of a sudden you can have a haircut or whatever it is. And, um, you know, I know a lot of places are, are like workplaces are starting to say, okay, well you can work remotely, but maybe we're going to start phasing some people in the office. Seems too soon. Yeah. It seems too soon, but already they're, they're having to think about like a hybrid, right? Like, well, some of these people are going to be in the office sometimes, and then sometimes they're not. And, yeah. um, you know, even uh, I was listening to uh, another podcast that um, as Kara Swisher was interviewing uh, Jason Freed from uh, Basecamp and Basecamp's like fully remote. They've always been remote. And he's like a big proponent of, of, of work from home for or not for everyone, but it works well for his company. He thinks more companies should be doing. Um, but you know, she was saying, well, now all these companies, they're kind of forced to work from home. What do you see? Where does he get going? And he, he actually kind of said, you know, he doesn't necessarily see them going the way that his company did, but maybe they might be doing like a hybrid type thing. Um, and I think the, the problem with the hybrid is, um, which he points out and which I think um, Graham Gilbert has said many, many times on the Mac and Slack that, you know, if you have a hybrid and you really have to watch out like how you implement that culture wise because like if if a whole bunch of people are in person and some people aren't then the people who aren't are going to be like at a professional disadvantage 
like whether it's conscious or unconscious, there's going to be a, a feeling. I think that if the leadership is in person, the people who are also there in person get some kind of special access or favoritism or whatever it is because they're just there. Yeah, I've heard from um, some people online that, you know, everybody's at home, they're having better meetings than they when they had it at work. So everybody's on a different or maybe the same sort of footing being all remote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, hybrid is definitely going to be difficult. So if we reopen, I don't know, then we have to figure out some bit of hybrid because some people do want to come to the conference. They do want to see each other. They want to have a beer or go have ramen. I mean, that's number two thing people talk about. <laughs> Chris Dahl's like, I know where the best ramen is. Follow me. Or Greg Hilbert's like, to the pub. <laughs> How do you get to the pub faster? <laughs> yes, a lot of a lot of great meetings are <laughs> everywhere but in front of the speakers. <laughs> well, that's a vote I mean, for, for virtual so you can do it from the pub, right? <laughs> Yeah, or maybe we do one day or we, we do it at different times. Maybe we do virtual and then we do in person, you know? I mean, yeah. this, I think we've proven this virtual format. If we can, people are like, can you do it more often now? I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> this, this hasn't killed Bring us me. sponsors. It, yeah, it was a lot of effort. It's a it lot was, of money, too. It yeah. was It was definitely, we paid Ashton and Felipe doing a live. I mean, uh, JD is doing so much for us. I mean, I'm not paying myself, but you know, it, it, it costs a few dollars to send stickers or books or do a few little silly things. I mean, or writing newsletters and trying to make design. I pay my friend Ted who does the design. So, I mean, it's definitely a lot cheaper to do online. I mean, the zoom license discord, uh, I mean, it was a lot, thousands and thousands of dollars cheaper to do it online, but the, the amount of work was definitely 10 X or a hundred X. It was like, wow. Especially since yeah, we trying I, to figure it all out. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I used to do some event stuff. Like I, I mentioned before, I used, I was a, a receptionist for an admission office and like, I was, did a lot of the coordinating for like the open houses for the school and that sort of thing. And like event plan, I hate event planning. <laughs> so I have a lot of admiration. So mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the things that I always felt was kind of like we're for event planning, you know, the more work you do up front, I, I won't say you have to do no work once the event happens. You still have to do work and you still have to pay attention and there's little emergencies that pop up or whatever. But but generally speaking, the more work you do up front, the more you can kind of relax a little bit once the event's happening. You kind of you put all the pieces in place and hopefully it it just kind of plays out. And I feel like for an in-person event that may be true. You know, as long as the balloons show up or as long as the venues there, you know, like right you just kind of let it happen but i can only imagine like you're running a virtual event you can you can never just be like cool we set up everything so let's just run it we're all over the world felipe was in czech republic jd's in spokane i'm in canada i mean it was i mean not to give away too many secrets but it's the most work i've ever done (laughs) and it was the most prep we prepped so much beforehand and then it was a lot at you know there's always a stress when I'm running the yeah. event. It's hard to sometimes enjoy everything because I'm stressed about all the little details, catering, coffee, rooms. Yeah. Did the speaker show up? But, yeah. you know, virtual, we're like, is the speaker still alive? You know, <laughs> are they on Slack? Are they in Discord? Are they responding to email? <laughs> I mean, for, for an attendee, I felt it, it actually it went really smoothly. I mean, I know you, you put in a lot of work and you're you're making the stuff happen, but it's I don't know. I just, I just showed up and there were things happening and like this thing popped up and then all of a sudden there's some music coming on the YouTube channel. <laughs> right. It's, it all, it yeah. all seemed to work pretty smoothly. I think. On my end. I think getting a, a good team practicing a lot. I mean, I met Felipe before uh, doing editing and different things. And uh, then I found out he was a live producer. So when we decided to let him 
when the control freak Maddox let him do his live producing, he was he's a master at that. So we we did practice and did work together. But yeah, just letting him handle that was great. And JD set up a Discord like an animal. I mean, it was just <laughs> awesome the way he laid it all out and tried to replicate the conference. And so uh, yeah, it, it worked really well. I think uh, with the we had enough people that made it an event, and I think people were super happy that, to be able to join from anywhere. And yeah, I I can't see the future, or I can't see next week or the the next year what's happening. But I hope the borders are open next year, and I hope things are better. If not, then we'll do it virtual. And I think we proved that we can keep the community together and give them something to do. And I'm always a big fan of, hey, quick talks. Everybody has something to share. Everybody has, it's not just rock stars. We're all, we're all people that have done stuff and solved problems. I mean, you might not think of yourself as a rock star, Alan, but you, you know, you have people following your blog. I follow your blog. I look to you. I see what you've done and you've inspired us. And that's what we want to help other people realize that they inspire other people and they can. Yeah. I mean, maybe I might, I might do a quick talk next year. I, I yes, feel like once yes, for my yes. first conference, <laughs> well, for my first conference, I, I just like to feel things out and kind of see you know how it's going. But, um, you know, it, it's not going to be like, I got to be honest with you. There were a couple of conference uh, talks that just went way over my head. Like that thing with, um, what was it like nebula, nebula? Yes. yeah <laughs> yeah i was Lucas. just like i don't know what's going on i mean it sounds great but like i i was just like i don't even know i know so little that i can't even ask questions to show how little i know <laughs> like, like you know like if you're a teacher you can actually tell like how much your students are are getting by the questions they ask right and and they might think oh shoot if i ask a question i'm going to look silly or i'm going to look stupid but the questions actually show you're engaged and that you you what you do understand and i was like i understand so little i can't even ask a question about this It's important to have things way over our heads so we can see what's above us and reach yeah. we need to always be reaching reaching for Definitely. the stars or reaching for more knowledge and People have so many different ways of solving problems that it's sometimes you're like, meh, I'm fine with my way. Monkey's awesome. Yeah. I don't need yeah. chef and puppet. And other people are like, oh, look how he's using chef. That's really awesome. I can use chef too. Or yeah. Well, I tend to like to explore stuff. So, I, you know, I remember um, the first person who put chef on my radar was uh, Eric Gomez. And at the time he was working at Pinterest, I think. But, you know, I just I, I was like, oh, chef, that sounds kind of cool. And I started exploring a little bit. And I was like, this seems kind of like overkill for what I've got going here. I, I, at the time I had a fleet of like literally like 300 and, and I was chatting with Eric about it and he was like, yeah, for 300 max, that, that's, you don't need chef. <laughs> that is overkill. But at the same time, it's pretty cool to just explore it. Right. Like, so even things that I don't have a full grasp of or that aren't immediately relevant to the work I'm doing, it's always cool to just kind of be like, oh, yeah. just see what this tool is. I mean, I tell people I'll set up monkey even for like one or two machines. Cause oh, I don't yeah. want to repeat myself. And Monkey is kind of like a Git repository of itself of keeping stuff organized. And this is pre-vetted software. And here's some techniques and scripts and self-service. And, you know, you can double click stuff on the DMG for people and just help them install stuff. Or you could put it in Monkey and just have it do it. And at least even if you're driving Monkey, you know what you've put into Monkey. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I agree with you. I think there's no overkill for Monkey. Like, I have it set up at home. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just like a handful of Macs. And, um... You know, it's, I don't know, it's, it, it keeps me sharp. Like, I think sometimes when you do things like, I don't know, I, this is kind of a mixed bag, this philosophy, but I feel like sometimes when you do things only at work, then you get focused only on solving the work problems. And if you do it at work and you do it at home, then the home thing gives you a different perspective, right? Because you can solve it in a slightly different way. Um, the double-edged sword part of that, of course, is that, well, if you're doing stuff at work and you're doing it at home, then like, you're just like doing double work. <laughs> it's, sometimes, you know, 
yeah. it can be your home lab. You can test stuff out. Yeah. I mean, but, I'm not running the latest always at work, but maybe at home I can test out with some machines or yeah. vice versa. You can test out in different places. But are you running Monkey Report at home too? I, I'm, I'm playing around with it a little bit. So I actually took a break from Monkey Report. Um, and, and it's pretty cool to see how far it's coming just like a year. Um, but yeah well as you said there there are always new versions of it right so um yeah i'm I'm playing around with it at home now and uh i mean it looks pretty cool it's it's always been a great tool um yeah uh, i mean check out that uh, mds app you know it's pretty cute and yeah that looks pretty cool too that that little gui for configuring uh, yeah it's kind of hard to keep up with arian in the in tuxedo (laughs) sometimes they're just (laughs) moving so fast yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I, I just, I'm trying to just deal with my own small little domain. <laughs> I mean, it was thanks to Monkey Report, I could see that my wife hadn't updated Google Chrome or my kid, and I'm like, come on, come on, yeah. team, we're we're a family. We have to update when <laughs> it says update. I'm gonna have to go ahead and figure figure out how to use Nudge from Eric Gomez. Oh man, Nudge, it's 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 that's a beast by itself too, and it's a pretty cool tool. <laughs> And though I'm I'm now in a little bit of a toss up though because now that there's Monkey Five and it kind of operates like Nudge I'm like use Nudge or use Monkey um, I don't know it's tough yeah it's call. Uh, where can we find you on the internet Yeah mainly just Mac and Men Slack I'm on there as uh, AYCU and then uh, you can find my blog AllenCU.net Yeah well we'll put links uh, in the show notes to um, your amazing blog and uh, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. And thanks for attending the conference. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. Uh, great recording the podcast. Great attending the conference. Thanks for putting that all together. Um, I had a blast. Thank you to our Mac DevOps YVR 2020 sponsors. Our sponsors for Mac DevOps YVR, the conference 2020. Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor. Thank you so much for helping us out. Sauce Labs, our gold sponsor. Simple MDM, our silver sponsor. And Adigy, our bronze sponsor, as well as Elastic, our community sponsor. Thank you so much. Uh, We couldn't do it without you, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps Podcast. Thank you to our guests and co-hosts. Mac DevOps Podcast is a brainchild of Matt X and Chris Johnson. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. I think the Apple and the new Apple car is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to drive away in my new fancy MDM You're, powered car. You'd have a better chance at an Apple hoverboard. <laughs> uh. <laughs>